0: This Government Matters podcast is sponsored by Hughes Network Systems, delivering innovation for civilian and military connectivity. It is time to expect more from your network. From Washington, D.C. and around the world, this is
1: Government Matters with Francis Rose. Thanks for watching Government Matters, the only show covering the latest news, trends, and topics that matter to the business of government. I'm your host, Francis Rose. Retirement claims process times are up to 78 days in June, according to new data from the Office of Personnel Management. The average was 70 days in May, Federal Times reports. The backlog is about 25,000 cases now. Clinicians at the Department of Veterans Affairs can't use the new electronic health records system very well because of training problems. The VA Office of Inspector General finds the program assigned users training that didn't fit their jobs. FedScoop reports the training software didn't work the same way the final product did either. Acquisition for the Space Force will need some time to mature, according to the head of the Space Rapid Capabilities Office. Mike Roberts says the force should give Space and Missile Systems Center time to settle in before it looks at consolidating other space acquisition organizations. Breaking defense reports, more than 60 DOD offices are involved with space acquisition. The Pentagon will call its new cloud vehicle the joint warfighter cloud capability. The, the Pentagon says it canceled JEDI because its requirements have changed since the original solicitation. Jack Wilmer is chief executive officer at Core Force. He's former deputy CIO for cybersecurity and chief information security officer at the Pentagon. Jack, welcome. It's good to see you. What's your reaction to what we learned yesterday about the cancellation of the JEDI contract?
2: Yeah, thanks, Francis. Um, so you know, I would say it's it's really a cool opportunity for the department to be able to start fresh. Uh, so they've obviously still got enterprise cloud computing requirements and needs. Uh, they've earlier this year announced the uh, Joint All Domain Command and Control Initiative, the uh, AI Data Acceleration Initiative, and both of those are going to be heavily dependent on enterprise cloud. So uh, DOD also has the same unique requirements in terms of being able to support tactical environments, and ensure synchronization across security domains. And so I think, uh, you know, all of these are things that, uh, you know, the promise of an enterprise cloud is going to be able to help the department solve. Uh, And so I'm really excited that they're going to have the opportunity to, you know, hopefully get multiple uh, enterprise clouds in place soon.
1: If this is an opportunity to start fresh, how would you like to see the department do that to get this capability to the warfighter as soon as possible? It's three years behind schedule now.
2: Yeah, I I think it's a really good point. And you know, the good news is though this procurement is three years behind schedule, uh, the department has still been able to make pretty substantial progress in the past three years. And so when you look at things like um, the CVR that was rolled out during the pandemic that's evolved into DOD 365, uh, many of the challenges that the department set out to address with JEDI are things that they've actually been able to solve through the rollout of these other uh, enterprise cloud capabilities. And so obviously, Infrastructure cloud is a very different thing than a um, you, you know managed service uh, in, in terms of something like DOD 365. Uh, however, there's a lot of security policies and other things that uh, the department has been able to already update. Uh, I think there's still gonna be a lot more work to do uh, as they roll out the enterprise uh, cloud infrastructure, but uh, I think they're gonna be able to take advantage of uh, some of the major changes that they've done over the
1: past few years. Cloud has become so much more a commodity than it was three years ago. Is that potentially part of the opportunity that you see here, Jack, that the the Pentagon, maybe the reason that it's decided to set this up as an IDIQ instead of uh, basically starting from scratch on a new contract?
2: Yeah, I I think without a question. So, you know, and and cloud has been a commodity for a while now, but I think that where we've really seen some advances are on uh, things like interoperability. So the ability to, you know, have a workload on one cloud, uh, move it to another, have workflows across multiple cloud providers, uh, things that the department should absolutely be able to take advantage of. So I think that uh, the fact that the uh, cloud industry has evolved over the past couple of years, uh, substantially more capabilities available, I think, are also uh,
1: key factors in there. What do you expect to see us learn about this between now and October when the solicitation is supposed to come out? Or are we pretty much going to sit on it between now and then until we see what the solicitation actually says?
2: You, you know, I don't know the department's plans, but I, I do know industry well enough to know that we're going to hear uh, lots of things about lots of capabilities that are available, uh, probably in an attempt to influence, you know, what the government ultimately comes out and contracts for. And I think that, you know, my perspective is that if you look at uh, the real key thing that the department's been trying to do since day one with the enterprise cloud initiative is to accelerate the delivery of capability for the warfighter, to get capability into the warfighter's hands faster. Uh, Much of that requires policy changes on the government side. Uh, and that's some of the stuff that we've been able to work. But I think that there's also still tremendous capability that exists in the industry that are going to really help uh, to accomplish that mission. And I think when you look at the tie-in again with JADC2, that joint all Domain command and control and AI data acceleration initiative, I think that's going to really help industry uh, position uh, what capabilities they want to be able to have included with the cloud
1: office. Does the position of JADC2 as being so integral to what the future fight looks like, Jack, make buying this cloud different than buying some other cloud or are the principles the same in your view?
2: Yeah, I would say uh,
1: there's some differences, uh, but the principles are generally the same.
2: So uh, you know, the way that I look at it, DOD has had an urgent need for this cloud for a number of years now. And I think that the the focus on JADC2 just even amplifies more uh, what that ur- urgent need is. I think in terms of the JADC2 focus, a lot of the emphasis has got to be on um, understanding that we're not going to be able to take all the data that's required for that environment and push it back to CONUS. You know, it really is all about the data. It's about enabling the processing of that data, uh, the analytics, the the types of things that we can run on top of that to happen closer to where the data is. And so I think that some of those principles are the things that are driving uh, the department's analysis of even across all the hyperscale providers that exist, which are the clouds that are going to be best enable uh, the department to be able to work in that construct.
1: It's interesting that you mentioned the, the CONUS versus OCONUS because when the OCONUS cloud strategy came out a couple of weeks ago, I got two different notes from two different people that don't know each other that said, this must mean, Jedi's going out the window. Is that was that a sense that you had as well? Because nobody seemed to be really too surprised by this. They just were surprised that it was yesterday.
2: Yeah, I think uh, you know, the way that I look at it is it has been kind of building to that. And and at the end of the day, what's what's most important is that the department get in as expeditious of a manner as possible an enterprise capable cloud capability in place. And I think that what you've seen is the news building from Uh, the announcement of JADC2, the uh, initiation of the AI data acceleration initiative, a number of other mission capabilities that are dependent on an enterprise cloud. Uh, And then obviously, JEDI has been mired in litigation for a number of years. And so I think that uh, the department has this urgent need to get the cloud capability in place. And I think that when you look at uh, the mission impact, um, the department looked at, you know, the acquisition strategy and and found that this is probably going to be what's going to enable them to get that in place uh, as quickly as possible. And I think the other key thing to keep in mind is the department has always had a strategy of multiple cloud vendors. It was never intended to be only one enterprise cloud. Uh, that was really part of the journey towards getting to multiple clouds. And, and again, a lot of the rationale behind that single cloud was that we had a lot that we had to learn on the department side uh, in terms of new capabilities and and uh, policy changes, that sort of thing. And I think that what you've seen is over the past couple of years, the department's actually been able to knock a lot of those objectives down through mill cloud to uh, CVR uh, into O365, that sort of thing. So I think at the end of the day, uh, it's really a culmination of events that's enabled the department to really just move to the next phase in its cloud strategy, which is bringing in multiple vendors.
1: Jack Wilmer, thanks very much for joining us. Great to have you back on the show. Thanks, Francis. Great to see you. Coming next, the cyber danger for one of government's biggest projects. Straight ahead on Government Matters, closing cyber holes to save veterans' lives. You're watching WJLA 24-7 News. Welcome back. The Secretary of Veterans Affairs, Dennis McDonough, promises changes are coming after a 12-week strategic review of the VA's electronic health record program. That program's missing one of the most important elements of the federal government's cyber defense strategy. Carol Harris is director of Information Technology and Cybersecurity Issues at the Government Accountability Office. She testified about the program to the House Veterans Affairs Technology Modernization Subcommittee. Carol, welcome. It is good to see you again. What was the message that you wanted to convey to the subcommittee at this hearing?
3: The primary message, um, Francis, was that, you know, VA's IT historically has been very decentralized. And so it's going to take a very concerted effort on the part of the department to break down those silos and over time change the culture so that IT is managed in a much more uh, centralized and effective manner. That was the primary takeaway.
1: I mentioned the Cerner electronic health record program in the introduction. I think it's important to note that's really only working at one location across the entire country. Vista is still a really important part and will be for a long time of delivery of care to veterans. Right, Carol?
3: That's correct. And so, um, you know, VA has made some important progress in the implementation or I should say the development of the Cerner program. Um, However, you know, well, in terms of the things that they've done well, Uh, They have started developing system capabilities. They have deployed training. Um, They've also um, performed some important testing events as well. Uh, Unfortunately, we did recommend that they postpone further deployment of the new system until any resulting critical and high severity test findings are appropriately addressed. Now these test findings of this nature could result in system failure if left alone. So it's critically important for VA to implement the recommendations.
1: You also testified to the uh, subcommittee about the Financial Management Business Transformation Program. Uh, that's the back office uh, financial management program VA has been undertaking, it seems like, for a long time. Where does that stand right now, Carol?
3: So you're right. Uh, VA has had multiple attempts at modernizing and upgrading their financial and acquisition management systems. Uh, right now, they're in the process of implementing um, a, an additional or a, a new effort. Um, and we recommended that they develop reliable cost and schedule estimates using best practices to minimize the risk of cost overruns and schedule delays and hopefully um, prevent what has happened in the past on, on this effort.
1: That important element that I mentioned at the beginning of our conversation, Carol, is cybersecurity. And you report uh, to this subcommittee on the cybersecurity efforts that the agency is taking. Where do they stand right now?
3: Well, right now there's a lot of room for improvement when it comes to cybersecurity. Um, We still have a handful of recommendations that are open related to addressing known deficiencies on their high impact systems. And these are systems that if they were to go down would have a catastrophic impact on VA's ability to deliver its mission. Um, We also have made a number of recommendations as it relates to their cybersecurity risk management program. Uh, They, we've made, um, there, there are basically five foundational steps that VA should be taking to take a more risk-based approach to dealing with cybersecurity. And they've implemented one of five. And so, we've made four recommendations um, to help them um, integrate cybersecurity risk into their enterprise risk management program. We've also made a number of recommendations related to VA's IT uh, supply chain risk management as well. So, So, lots of room for improvement here.
1: One of five doesn't sound that great. Is it your sense that they are on the path to implementing some or all of the other four, or have they just not gotten there yet, Carol?
3: Um, We do have a sense that they're on their way. I mean, they've agreed with all of the recommendations, and so really what it's going to take is um, sustained leadership um, in addressing these serious IT issues. And so- our job will be to monitor the, uh, the actions that they take to effectively implement our recommendations.
1: The final item I wanted to ask you about in this testimony, and it's not peculiar just to VA, this is a government-wide issue on some level or other, but you're right. has demonstrated mixed results in implementing key provisions of the Federal Information Technology Acquisition Reform Act, FITARA. We're, I think, five or six years into FATARA. We're still struggling with this at not just at VA, but agencies across government. Why do you think that's the case, Carol?
3: Um, well, in the case of VA and at some other agencies, uh, VA's leadership on IT issues has been siloed. Again, with VA, it's because IT has been very decentralized. So it will take um, a sustained, concerted effort time change. I think that that's one of the main hurdles into to effectively implementing FETARA.
1: Carol Harris, thanks very much for joining me today. I appreciate your time very much.
3: Thanks very much, Francis.
1: You can find a link to that work at govmatters.tv slash resources. Up next, the joint force concept won't work to beat China. Straight ahead on Government Matters, the problems and solutions for great power competition. We archive every show of Government Matters at govmatters.tv. Be right back. Welcome back. The Air Force will test a new way to distribute tasks for cybersecurity operations in defense, delivering capabilities from individual forces, though may not be the right model for great power competition. Tim Walton is fellow at the Center for Defense Concepts and Technology at the Hudson Institute. He's writing about force design and mission integration with Brian Clark and Dan Pat. Tim, welcome. It's good to see you. Thanks for coming on. You and and your colleagues write, this report describes a new model for joint force design and integration. What's wrong with the old model?
4: Thank you for having me on, Francis. Well, the old model takes a relatively static approach to trying to anticipate what the future demands will be, Um, as the current joint staff has a process where they try to set out requirements 10, 20 years in the future and try to meet those requirements. Um, This had worked, and it works perhaps for large capital platforms like ships or aircraft, but what we're seeing is that there's this new digital transformation where there's a whole suite of new software-driven technologies that DOD is really lagging and taking advantage of. So we need a new approach that's going to be able to match development sort of in the commercial software space where we see a transition from large mainframe computers to personal computers to now just the whole Internet of Thing devices that don't all have the same software, right? They have the custom software or apps that you want to download. And military forces, if they're able to similarly shift and have what we term heterogeneity at scale, where they can have many different types of software apps and capabilities and can interoperate together, they'd be more effective at posing dilemmas for adversaries.
1: In your mind, are the services on the right track with the software organizations that they're building? You know, when Will Roper came in, Uh, to the Air Force a number of years ago. He basically said it's software, 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 and the force has taken that on. The Army, the Navy, Marine Corps have built their own software development operations. Are they headed in the right direction, do you think, Tim?
4: Well, uh, the services have done a great job of establishing these different software factories or working with sort of a new, larger range of defense contractors that can provide software solutions. The challenge has been, though, is that there's a mismatch between the new um, authorities for acquisition of that software and the actual budgeting approach. Sort of The budgeting process takes two years, at least, where it takes one year for DOD to decide what it wants and then do- another year for Congress to actually appropriate those funds. And what we contend is that there's ne- a need for a new, more flexible or fungible approach to uh, both software and then other types of acquisition where um, there could be opportunities for moving those uh, that funding around a little bit more. Uh, last year, Congress had a new program for software acquisition where now it's going to be a little more e- easier to uh, move around funding from acquisition to operations and maintenance and research development and test and evaluation. Um, moving forward, we think that that similar, more fungible approach is needed so that when programs are performing very well in terms of software, you can add more money to them more quickly and accelerate them. And then when they're performing poorly, you can cut those
1: funds and reallocate them to the ones that are needed. All right. You call what you and your colleagues write about an operational challenge vignette. What is that and what does this vignette consist of? What's the model here that you're suggesting?
4: Sure. Um, An operational vignette is a story uh, that military uh, planners can use to try to envision how future warfare may play out. In our report, we talked about a challenging operation for the Department of Defense today, which is the defense of um, uh, critical assets in Okinawa, in particular, Kadena Air Base in Okinawa, where many Chinese forces could attack it using a range of air and missile threats. We think moving forward, it'd be helpful if the combatant commands can develop what we call mission integration cells that can focus on these pressing operational problems using new modeling and simulation tools to figure out, well, what are the best solutions for these problems? And then there would be mission managers or new individuals in the Office of the Secretary of Defense who can track more carefully what are the funds that are actually going to solve those problems. And and the goal would be so that uh, the combatant command, such as Indo-PACOM, would receive the the funding they actually need to solve these pressing operational problems.
1: That's what I referred to at the beginning of this conversation about shifting from a joint forces model where you have a force developing something, you're advocating more of a, a command funnel pipeline for different capabilities, it sounds like. Is that a fair read on my part?
4: That's right. We call it a federated approach, but from the it would be a shift from the current very centralized approach where pretty much the services are uh, almost completely responsible for determining what's going to get bought um, in concurrence with the joint staff's requirements process to a new approach where there are going to be new opportunities for combatant commands to provide inputs, especially for what are the quick one- to two-year improvements that could be pursued by DOD in terms of new software interoperability solutions or in terms of posture funding to to build new decoys or necessary military construction. Hopefully, this approach will be faster, and what we contend is that the Congress should pursue in in, uh, this year's National Defense Authorization Act a pilot program to just try out whether an approach like this would work at solving one or two challenging operational problems. And if it's helpful, it could be scaled out
1: throughout DOD. We have about 30 seconds left, Tim. How do you judge if that pilot's successful?
4: Um, It'd be successful, I guess, in in two different ways. Uh, One would be there'd be a better alignment between what Indo-PACOM has requested in requests such as the Pacific Deterrence Initiative and, and what's actually funded by Congress. There was an enormous mismatch in this year's uh, Pacific Deterrence Initiative report and what uh, the Pentagon submitted to Congress. Uh, but the other uh, metric of success would be shifting from approach that focuses on the cost of systems to the value, or how can DOD improve its performance in campaign um, outcomes. And those mission managers would be
1: able to track that more carefully. Tim, thanks very much for coming on. Congratulations to you and your colleagues on this work. Thank you, Francis. You can find a link to that work at govmatters.tv slash resources. And don't forget, if you miss an episode of the show, it's on our website. You get a preview and a recap of every show. When you sign up for our daily newsletters, you just enter the email, your email, in the red box on the website. I'm back in two minutes. That's the latest from Washington. Join me weeknights at 8 and 11 on WJLA 24 7 News and Sunday mornings at ten thirty on 7 News to stay plugged in on issues that matter to the business of government. Thanks for watching. I'm Francis Rose.
0: Thanks for listening. Our daily program is produced by James Mahoney and Drew Friedman. Christy Marriott leads our technical crew. Our web editor is Beatrice Haddon. Our director of content is Alan Holmes. Visit govmatters.tv for articles, videos, and more. Government Matters is recorded at WJLA-TV in Washington, D.C. Copyright Sinclair Broadcast Group. offer various kinds of SD-WAN solutions. There are a number of them out there. They need to not just offer their direct example, examples of uh, proprietary services, but there are multiple platforms. Agencies should really meet with the primes and say, here's what I want. Here's what I want to, here's where I want to
1: go over the next 10 to 15 years. Time is of the essence, it strikes me, Tony, because uh, there's a countdown clock going here for agencies to get these contracts awarded. Um, If you're just starting this process at the beginning, first of all, shame on you, I guess. But um, secondly, what's the role of the vendor to help uh, uh, an agency move the ball?
0: Well, I think I think the idea here is to if you haven't gotten started yet, make sure you're asking the right questions of industry. That you're asking for the right kind of services. If you're still s- stuck on an RFP or a format that asks for older technology, there are and and there are unfortunately, Francis, a number of RFPs and fair opportunities out there that have asked for the old stuff. And it's it's like the the to to some extent, I'm 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 advocating for timeline be damned. You ought to.